This is episode 125 of the Speed Metal Cycling Podcast. Episode 125, Speed Metal Cycling Podcast for like mid-April of 2016. I am your host, the almighty Skull Crusher, and joining me today, co-hosts from New York City, Gage and DeSoto fame, Mr. Mike Spriggs. Mike, how are you doing, sir? Better than you. Of course, everybody's always better than me because I'm unemployed and I'm not a looker. I don't think I'm, un- I'm unemployed too. Oh yeah, that's right. We're both unemployed. Man, the only unemployed one in the podcast is my brother, which is why he's not here. Because he's employed and he's like having a good time in England because he can't afford to do that stuff. So Klaus is not here today because he was in northern France for Paris Roubaix over the weekend, and uh, he decided to stay and extend his um, his vacation in England with his beautiful wife. So instead of Klaus, I thought, if we're not going to have one Colombian, then we might, have, might as well replace him with another Colombian. But the problem is that the only other Colombian that I know is a woman, and it's my mother, and she really doesn't like Skype. So then we went for the next best thing, which is Natalia Santamaria. Natalia, welcome to the show. This is the first time that you are in our podcast. Uh, welcome. Say hi to all the millions of fans that you're going to have starting now. Hello, world. Boom. One million fans, just like that. <laughs> yeah. Natalia is a big uh, cycling fan. She follows cycling, of course, and not only men's, but also women's cycling, which is one of the reasons that I wanted to, or that I asked her to join us, not only today, but hopefully going forward to continue to cover um, and talk a little about women's uh, cycling a little bit more. It, you know, I mean, I've said it a bunch of times here in the past, um, and I think we, we can all agree that um, women's cycling can and probably is as exciting as guys' cycling, but it just doesn't get the coverage, so it's, it's difficult to follow, and therefore it, um, it doesn't get the recognition and the fandom that it, that it deserves. So in, in order, this is my little itty-bitty way of helping women cycling by having somebody that actually knows women cycling join us and BS about um, about women cycling and I don't want anybody to think that because oh because it's women cycling I was going to get a woman no it's just that of all the people that I know that actually know about women cycling most of them are women so it just so happened I don't know anything you want to say anything you want to add or 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 anything Natalia no I just I just want to clarify that I'm just a cycling fan and just to keep the standards of the podcast, I don't know anything about cycling. That's all. There you go. So you join. Oh, wait, Mike, <laughs> what was that thing that, uh, what was that quote that we were the what? The most least informed, least professional, least, least informed. knowledgeable. <laughs> least informed, least, yeah. So, okay. Check, so check, check. Okay. All right. Beautiful. All set. Perfect. So, um, I don't know which way you guys want to do this. Um, 
Mike, do you think that we should start uh, talking about Paris-Roubaix? Do you think we should make fun of my brother? Do you think we should uh, tell some tales? Or do you think we should ask Natalia some questions about um, women cycling? Like the, the, the questions that I've always had, that I've always wanted to ask. I think we should start with Paris-Roubaix and get that out of the way. Get, get that stinking race out of the way? Yeah. Okay, can I tell you that... I lost 850 Bitcoin on Perry Rubay. Did you really? You you bet you bet. No, I don't. I don't. I didn't bet anything, but I would have, of course, lost. And I have no idea what Matthew Heyman's odds were because I didn't pay attention. Next time, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna do a screen grab of the page. That way, whoever wins, we can actually look it up. But I'm sure it was probably 250, 250 to one, probably. Which means if anybody really put money on that dude, they made a nice, nice. Nice profit on that one. No, but what I was going to say is that at some point with like 5K to go, I saw like who was there in the final little group. And I thought, oh, man, no matter what happens, the uh, Green Edge backstage pass thing or whatever, it's going to be awesome. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't know if either of you guys have seen it. It is awesome. It is. Totally, totally, totally awesome. Uh, Mike, did you see it? I did not. Oh man! There's, oh, you have dude, to. Dude, there's a part where the where the DS car is like I don't know. You can't really tell obviously where they're stopped. Is the is the GoPro inside the car and they're celebrating and the cops can be like, dude, move and move and they're like celebrating, not paying attention to the police. Brilliant. Is so it, it is funny actually because the police officer opens the door of the car and it's like <laughs> I, move. I thought the cop was gonna get in the car with them to celebrate. Yeah. <laughs> If you're a cop in Roubaix and it's Paris Roubaix Day, and you you know what's going on. Obviously, the guys are celebrating. It's obviously a team car, even if you don't know who won. Or I, I don't know. I thought that was really funny. And they interview. I don't remember one of the other riders, and he says that when he, when he came into the velodrome, he saw in the big screens that they were interviewing Heyman, and he was like, "Oh, he must have had a good ride." He had no idea that he had won. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was Luke. Luke Durbridge, yeah, 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 yeah. That's, that's what, it was. yeah, 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 that's what it was. So, I, can we agree that it was an awesome race? Yeah, it was pretty fun. It was pretty fun. I mean, it had everything. It was I, really exciting to watch. <laughs> absolutely, I can't wait for Klaus to come back, and he's he's been kind of dropping little tales to Mike and I via email, like since Saturday or something, and uh, so I can't wait for him to tell us all the cookiness and craziness. Um, but um, the other awesome for me, another highlight was <laughs> Imanol Irviti had another top 10 finish. Yeah. <laughs> Seventh in Wachumacallit in Tour of Flanders and then ninth here. I, it's That guy is ridiculous. I couldn't, I, I read a quick interview in, in the Spanish newspaper and uh, not, not an interview, but like a couple of quotes and he's talking about how like I feel great in the cobbles blah 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 I was like alright dude calm down you're not really quite Belgian yet but wow I was happy about that I don't know what else Mike I, I have a ton of notes but I want to like spread it around Mike what do you think great race loved it that's it that's all you're gonna that's say that's it no I mean it was it was about as good as a as the way that race could unfold as you could hope for because you know, two two chasing groups pretty close, able to make up time on cobbles when they could, but just 
couldn't get close enough was really, really compelling. I mean, I thought it was great. Yeah, I know. that. I, I think, yeah, you're right. That, that Sagan Cancellara group being like anywhere between a minute and 30 seconds behind the yeah. whole time was. It was never, it was never over, awesome. you know. It was like, yeah. there was a point at the end where you're like, okay, it's over. But I mean, to keep it that tight from, like literally like from like 140K out, it was on. Like <laughs> that know. race was going. It was amazing. It was really, 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 truly really amazing. And, and I, did, did you watch it alone? Did I watch it alone? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, hey, I'm, I'm trying to make me feel bad? I'm Mike oh, Springs. Of course I watch it alone. Yeah, no, no, no. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if there was like, I don't know, a lady from the night before or something. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's what they love to do is wake up and watch. Bike watch. Like, exactly. Um, well, that's a really good way to get rid of them the morning after. Did you watch the whole thing or did you just hop on... I started watching it around nine o'clock. Okay. Yeah, I think I was. Oh, eight eight thirty. Eight thirty. Something like that. I started watching it around eight thirty or nine. So I forgot to mention this on the last podcast, but I had Michael do the Gage and Soto Twitter for that yeah, race. Yeah, hilarious. Uh, yeah, hilarious. So good. <laughs> I didn't see. I didn't see the first tweet where she was like, "Hello, this is Michael." Of like, what was it? That she, she called it Gage and. Slayed <laughs> in the boat. I don't know. So in the boat talks or something. I don't know what she called it. I missed that one. So I saw the second one and I was like, "Whoa, this is not Mike." And then I texted Mike right away, "Dude, somebody hacked into your Twitter." <laughs> <laughs> I am such a douche. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, she was. She was hilarious. I'm. I'm glad that she was back in the Twitter sphere. And maybe this yeah. will like wet her appetite once again and, yeah, and, and she exactly. can actually come out and uh, so that's really cool that you that you allowed her to do that yeah you didn't announce it she would have had so much of a better uh, audience if you would have announced it yeah right I announced it online I just forgot to announce uh, it on the podcast uh, we, were in, we were deep in negotiations oh you couldn't announce it quite yet because I the, didn't have enough Lithuanian dollars in my <laughs> <PayPal> account <laughs> I know, I know. It is funny because her last tweet was, "Okay, I'm going to get, I'm going to get this thing as a hostage now. Like I was going to use this account as a I hostage until I get my check." <laughs> it's funny. Yeah, that girl was definitely uh, out there. Yeah, it's very funny. It was very entertaining. Very entertaining. I think I may have asked her this last time she was on. Does she listen to the podcast? Yeah. Okay. Hi, Michael. <laughs> great tweeting. Great tweeting on Paris-Roubaix. On Paris-Roubaix. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, oh, you know what else? But, uh, I, I, speaking of Twitter, I tweeted something like, uh, Heyman is old enough to be Bonin's father. And somebody was like, oh, dude, not really. He's only, tw- they're 30, whatever, 39 and 35, whatever. And I was like, or 38 and 35. I was like, well, I, I didn't really actually mean yeah. for real. I meant, hey, Bonin. Heyman is older than you are by like three or four years, and he just won part of Roubaix. So stick around. Maybe you have a couple more chances to do it. That's all I was trying I, to say. I guess that was for me the big surprise was was where Tom Bonin finished, because I had just completely discounted him. I just was like, yeah, this is just hype. Like they're just going to hype it up because he's going for a record and he's a fan favorite. But man, he he killed it. Oh, he did, man. And that wasn't that a painful, painful, yeah. painful fucking sprint to watch. Yeah. That would be like me sprinting, like and it's just like so slow, and they could just tell everybody's like legs were so heavy, obviously. And when they came into the velodrome, I honestly thought, okay, Bonin has this in the bag. There's no <laughs> way that anybody can beat him in the sprint. I thought seven mark is not even gonna 
come close and what's his face? What was on Hagen? Uh, it wasn't, wait, it, it was, um, Standard. In standard, in standard. Yeah, okay. standard, oh please, he's not gonna freaking do anything. So I thought it's just, it's bonus to lose here. There's no way. And I didn't even think about Matthew Heyman, like at all. That's why I think I tweeted something like, I've never heard of this guy before or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> I've never heard of this guy. It's Did you see the look on his face when he was, oh, when he was over? Dude, he was, didn't even know where he was. It was fucking amazing. Fucking amazing. I showed it to my wife. And then he proposed it, to Johan Van Summeren's girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> Which was totally inappropriate. I can see why. <laughs> Oh my god, that was so good. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's it for the episode. Thank you very much, everybody, for listening. <laughs> There's no way we can improve from here. <laughs> 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 now, his face was, oh man, just priceless. It just in, obviously very incredible. I, I couldn't tell if he was like, not believing or maybe he thought like oh i'm gonna get disqualified or something or there, there's yes. no way there's no way this actually happened or whatever um yeah. just his page video that they put when they, he's walking towards the seating area yeah something yeah. he keeps repeating it's not a dream it's yeah. not a dream it's not a dream. <laughs> and you know what else is actually really interesting i i thought it was actually really really cool is that I don't know if you guys saw this when they're about to get on the podium and, and him and Bonin are talking mm. and Bonin tells him, man, you totally deserve that. Yeah. I thought that was like amazing of Tom Bonin because he could have been a complete jerk about it and just not say anything and just be super like grouchy. And I would totally have understood, but he wasn't, he was kind of smiley and stuff, whatever. If anybody was actually kind of being a little bit of a bitch, he was Ian Stannard. Um, yeah. I mean, not that he was really necessarily rude, but he wasn't. Just because like, he had to jump over three other Team Sky guys to get to third place. <laughs> <laughs> Literally jump over them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but um, if you think about Bonin, I mean, the fact that he actually make, made the podium and almost won the freaking thing after having such a, let's say, bad performances. Oh, yeah. As races. I mean, I think he was just like, man, I'm still, still yeah. got it. You know? yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was happy to be on the podium for sure. Yeah. But you're right, Dan. He seemed he seemed very um, cordial to, to Heyman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I noticed totally. that too. I was like, wow, he's, he's like, they're super chatty. I mean, maybe they're friends. I don't know. But it seemed like a very, it seemed like a very uh, sportsman-like thing to do. Exactly. Absolutely. Uh, now, I have a question for both of you guys. Right. What would have happened if... Fabian Cancellara wouldn't have crashed and he would have remained on that group of chasers. At the time that he crashed, I think the the difference was like 30 seconds, 45 seconds, something like that. Do you think they would have caught him? Because, I mean, Cancellara, I don't know if you guys saw this this morning, I read a thing where he said, after the crash, I just gave up. Which oh. means, yeah, yeah, exactly. So, I mean, he still had something to give. He just didn't so do you think that that i mean obviously that having that engine there and having anybody else from trek like actually help out in that group once he fall once he crashed then everybody's like screw it of course that helped that group but do you think they would have been able to catch the guys like the 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 group up front i think it would have been so close i don't know yeah. 
Yeah, it's just because in that group was also Terpstra and yeah. it was Sagan there, so yeah, I don't. I don't think Terpstra would have helped, of course, because having yeah, yeah, Bonin up no. there. But and there was a whole bunch of other guys there that were pretty strong. Yeah. No, that's is, what I'm. That's what I'm thinking though is that it would have been entirely on Cancellari's shoulders to do it, and he would have had to drag everyone. Mm-hmm. I could just see that group <laughs> not. <laughs> yeah, but he, I mean, it's not like that would be anything new for the man. No, I know, but I think I just think it would have been at that point. It would have been close. It would have been a close call. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, speaking about jumping over guys, that Sagan jump <laughs> was insane. Holy guacamole! I've watched it a bunch of times. Yeah. <laughs> that, that that image that has like when when like basically it's right before Cancellara's uh, right shoulder touches the ground. Yeah, and you can see mm-hmm. the whole thing, and you can see like. Sagan's leg off the pedal and stuff. It's I mean, how it's crazy. he did not loop, you know, I don't on a cobbled road going a million miles an hour. Yeah, it's not in, insane. Yeah, insane. I, I there was there was a lot of really cool things that happened throughout the race. That's definitely one. I mean, like the crashes were crazy. The the two times that the sky guys crashed right in front of their friggin' leader and then the leader had to go around them was pretty funny. Um, also, did you hear that Fran Ventoso? Um, he crashed early and then they it's the um, what do you call those things? Disc break. Disc break. Yeah. Yeah. Sliced his knee, yeah. and I read the description of the injury and the surgery that he had to perform, and it made me squirm. This is the like I the, the I told you so moment. Yeah. yeah. Okay. You're gonna cut your leg off. It's like basically you almost cut his leg off. Yeah. Imagine if it would have been his head going there or something, or his face. Ouchie. It would probably would have sliced his cheek and then like sliced his teeth and his gums. What? I mean, dude, think about it. If you grab a disc brake and then just slice your cheek, it cuts right through the cheek onto the teeth and the gum. Depending on the conditions, it could be 1,000 degrees. If it's 1,000 degrees, then at least it's actually cauterizing the the wound. So then it's okay. It's actually a little bit safer. That's now, a safety feature. Yeah, uh, the, the cut uh, like was in the knee, and then he had like all these tendons cut and stuff. Like it wasn't like a surface cut at all. Did yeah. you see the photo? Is there a photo? I uh, no, I haven't seen one. I don't think that there is one. I don't want to see one. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, just based on um, the description of the surgery. I mean, the fact that he had to have surgery for a cut already. But yeah, it's it's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. So yeah, that's a big. I told you so. That's a big I told you so. I don't know who told who, but I don't give a shit one way or another. But uh, it's uh, um, let me go through my notes here and see what else I I found that it's interesting. Um, (laughs) Seba Mark, no podium. He's like, oh, man, I'm I'm supposed to get podiums at all these races, but never win. (laughs) Like, what's going on here? So he he thought he was actually happy. He did. He was obviously completely dead. And yeah. you know, he's he's not a sprinter. He's not gonna he's not gonna beat anybody in a sprint. I mean me, probably. But that's about it really. And and I haven't done Pirate Bay since two thousand ten, so it's been a while. Did you see the Cancellara post race crash? <laughs> that's exactly what I was gonna say. <laughs> With the flag. It's not funny, was, but it's funny. The awesome. I felt super bad for him. But that's what you get when you like go up and start like handing your shoes to people. You well, see that they, to make it worse, he landed in a puddle of velodrome water, <laughs> gutter in the gutter, like gutter water, trash water, <laughs> trash water. 
<laughs> if you think that northern France, especially that area of northern, like northeastern France, is basically Buffalo, then it's pretty bad to like all the water. <laughs> there's probably like super contaminated, like toxic waste. <laughs> Radioactive. Yeah, it's radioactive water. Yeah, I thought it was really funny. If if people haven't seen it, you should definitely look it up. I am sure that it's on YouTube somewhere. He he rides up to the top of the velodrome. Uh, There's a bunch of Swiss fans. I'm guessing there's family of his there because he hugs a few people, takes his shoes off, and then gives them to somebody or something. And then on his way back down, just slips and just slits right down all the way down to the. So you know how when you win Paris-Roubaix, you get a plaque with your name on the showers? Yep. So now Cantelar has that, obviously, but now he also has his name on the drain pipe. (laughs) (laughs) Did you see Dyer Quintana saying hello to people when he got a puncture? Yes, I did. I thought it was awesome. I thought he was very polite, shaking people's hands in the middle of Paris-Roubaix. It's hilarious. He gets a puncture, he pulls over to the side of the road, and then people, like, tap him in the shoulder. He turns around and starts shaking people's hands. He's, like, signing autographs and yeah. yeah. bottles. But I, I feel like sometimes I, will, I confuse Dyer with Nido. He's like, he's that's, I think that's man. what it is. He's like the stuntman. So he's like, yeah, hello, hello. So it, has to be, it has to be that people thought it was Nido. I mean, because why else would somebody... Like, if some random dude gets a flat in front of you, you're not going to be like, hi, and shake your hand. You may be like, all right, dude, go on, man. Go, go, yeah. go. You're not going to shake their hand. Dyer Quintana is a nobody. So why would they... They thought he was Nido. And, and it's awesome. And... Klaus, like, was talking to Dyer, and I forgot to tell him to ask him. Okay. I am such an idiot. I am such an idiot. But I know Klaus also has, like, a pretty good in with the Movistar team. And uh, I'm going to see if we can email him and find out from Dyer if those people were shaking hands, like, shaking his hand because they thought he was Nido, which I'm pretty sure that's what the case was. Okay. Is this the biggest race that Orica Greenwich has ever won? Yes. Right? I mean, what else? They've never won a, a Grand Tour. What's what's bigger? Something like Terreno Adriatico and Paris-Nice or something like Paris-Roubaix? I think Paris-Roubaix. Like yeah. For prestige ones? Yeah, yeah. Like, would you put the, the three Grand Tours, I would say, on top? And then what would it be? Would it be, the, the like, any of the monuments? I mean, it, depends on where, it depends on where you're from, I think. Dude, if you're from America, it's the only place that matters. Come on. <laughs> it's just like it depends on what type of thing you like, I guess. Right. I think that um, just if you, if you look at cycling in general, you know, I mean, I know that I like the monuments more than I like Grand Tours, but... I understand that winning the Tour de France is way more important than winning Liège-Bastogne-Liège. I think in general, it's kind of, if, if it's not the monuments after the Grand Tours, then what is it? Is it the Tour de Suisse and the Dauphiné and Paris-Nice and Terreno Adriatico? You know, I, I, I think this has to be the biggest race that they've ever it's won. Huge. Yeah, it's huge. I'm, I'm super happy for them. I always thought that, the, not always. I've thought recently that the team is really cool. Ever since I wa- since I started watching Backstage Pass, I, I I like the team. Before that, I thought they were just kind of like meh. But I'm very. They need happy a new kit. Them. What's that? They need a new kit. 
Oh, Jesus, yes, they do. But then again, so does 90% of the Peloton. <laughs> <laughs> and can we all agree that Tom Bonin needs to come back? Yes. Uh, shit, I think Cancellara should come back, but... No, not going to happen. <laughs> yeah, I know. I just want Cancellara to be uh, a commentator for Eurosport. That would be amazing. Oh, that would be the best. That would be the best. His English is champion. It would be amazing. I would love that to happen. He could do the show with Lamont. Yes! Yes. <laughs> Greg Lamont and Fabian Cancellara, yeah. neither yeah. of them speak any English, but they're both awesome. <laughs> that would be great. That Anything to get great. Ashley House off off the TV. Yes. That would be a good thing if we got... I mean, I... I don't have a problem with Ashley House. Me neither. I just like. I just like. It just, there's no personality there. It it's be. like a made-up name. It's like a made-up British person. Let's call him <laughs> Ashley House. That it's like it's like a it's like a superhero. It's like a British superhero. It's like alter ego. <laughs> you have Clark Kent, Peter Parker, <laughs> and Ashley House. <laughs> it's Captain Britain. Uh, <laughs> Super Lord. <laughs> That would be awesome. And then the only other thing that I have on my uh, notes about Perry Roubaix specifically is how about that Henrik Hausler, man? I don't even remember what he came in as, what he ended up coming in at. But uh, he was there. Like, he actually looked good, and I he made me – nah, I was going to say he made me believe. He didn't really make me believe, but uh, – it was it was unbelievable. He came, in, he, was, he came in the first of that second group. He came in sixth. I, that's insane, right? That is mm-hmm. insane. Yeah, it's for for somebody that basically. I mean, I gave up on Henrik Hausler four years ago. Probably, I never thought that. But I mean, I'm looking at the I'm looking at the at the finish thingy here, and there is a whole bunch of nobodies. I mean, nobodies in quotation marks, of course. Matthew Heyman, uh, <laughs> uh, Marcel Seberg. I mean, these are all obviously. I mean, Sarah Montes, Erviti, Adrien Petit. I mean, that's in the top ten. That's ridiculous. Peter Zagan, eleventh. <laughs> that is so awesome. Um, one of the coolest pyrobays I've seen. Oh, you know what else was cool though? Actually, uh, Mark Cavendish finished thirtieth. Actually, he finished, which is awesome. Super, super cool. Great race. Loved it. And uh, the last guy, Luka Metzjek, he was 24 minutes and 45 seconds back. He came, okay. in, he came in in the same group as Rob Thompson and just behind Stebar. Well, if I can have myself another couple of classics like this, then... I'll be a happy man. I liked it. I liked it a lot. Uh, so far, actually, best race of the season for me. I agree. Now, how's about this? And I don't know, actually, because I haven't really read, like, that many cycling news today. Um, is there word in the out in the interwebs in the cycling world that uh, Sagan has been talking to Ethics Quickstep? Yes, no. Oh really? You heard about that, Mike? I saw it on Twitter. It was just—it was just exactly that. I didn't see any details. About it. Yeah, yeah. I heard through the grapevine that uh, that that was a thing. It didn't surprise me at all. It's—it's it's definitely. I mean, if you are 
uh, arguably the biggest team, definitely not the richest team, but the biggest team in cycling, like Ethics. Of course, that's who you're going to go for. It's, it's, it's a perfect match for the kind of cyclist you want. Um, he gets to stay on his specialized bike. Which obviously helps. Um, and, and the thing, too, is that, you know, Tinkoff, I mean, Oleg Tinkoff is nuts. So who knows when the hell he's just going to be like, ah, it's enough, I'm done. Yeah. So if I were Sagan, I would be like, yeah, this is, be, this is, this is a good, this is a good Wait. move. Isn't Oleg Tinkov supposed to be done with cycling by the end of 2016? Late or something? I thought that he said that he was going to sell the team at the end of this year. It'd be funny if he sells the team to... Uh, Reese? To, to Bjarne to Reese. <laughs> yeah, actually, now that you, now that you mention it, yeah, I, I, I think I remember hearing something like that. Well, whichever way, I think that Even if, if the team were to stick around, read the roster of that team and then read the roster and it takes quick step. And then yeah. if you're Sagan, you can, I mean, it's, it's a no-brainer that people in, in the ethics quick step is going to help you out a lot more. Than, mm -hmm. I mean, Sagan was alone in Paris-Roubaix, like, pretty much for the last 150 kilometers. So, like, not a single person around him, not a single person from his team, of course around him. There was plenty of people around him from other teams and people, spectators, but I mean, teammates. So, um... Do you think he is going to take his brother with him? Because the brother now yeah, is course. in the team, right? Yeah, of course. <laughs> the, all those, all those like things are linked. All those um, contracts, they all have that thing. I mean, in, in soccer, it's the same way. Like, okay, you have to pay me this much and it's going to be distributed like this and you have to pay for my house up to this amount and my brother has to be signed with the team and, yeah. That's this, this is how Klaus got on the podcast. This, <laughs> that is exactly how Klaus got in the podcast. I, I, I have a brother, too. He needs to... He needs to be on next next episode. Yeah, well, you only you can only uh, you can only uh, make those requests if you're actually really valuable to the team. <laughs> no, you know I actually begged my brother to be in the podcast since the very first episode. I, I begged him, and it was probably a year and a half or two years before he even came on. And it was like the first time around. He said, "We'll just do a 10 minute segment." He wanted to disguise his voice, right? Yeah. He did. No, he didn't. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he wanted to have like one of those robot voices. Right. Like um, he wanted to sound like, uh, what's his face? Like Stephen Hawking. No, 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 of course not. But yeah, I did beg him for a long, long time to do it. And it wasn't until you started doing it with me, Mike, that he was like, maybe I can... Uh, You know, do something, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Now that he got serious, maybe I can join. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now, that it's, now that I see that it's not just you being a dumbass, I'm like, hey, nope, it's not just me being a dumbass. <laughs> Paris-Roubaix, anything else you guys want to say? It's just like, I mean, words are not going to like describe how awesome that race was. It was really, really good. Really, like, really one good. of those things that I'm going to rewatch whenever I'm deciding to quit watching cycling. It's like, no, no, no. Go, <laughs> think, go, go watch the race and remember. <laughs> this is good. This is good. Don't give up. I think that everybody should actually do that. <laughs> everybody should keep this race in a little, I don't know, what do the kids keep, in, keep 
videos in nowadays, nowadays. DVDs or Blu-rays or I don't know how the hell people do these things. I don't know, young kids. Just keep a copy of this stashed iPods. away. Yeah, in your iPod. In your you iPod or whatever. <laughs> and then when it's time to, when it's when you're thinking about it, then just pull it out, pull it out and, and, and watch it if you have any doubts about how awesome the sport can can be. Mm -hmm. um, hey, speaking of how awesome the sport can be, did we talk about the... Um, Vuelta Ciclista al País Vasco, the end of it last... No, I don't think we did. No. Well, Alberto Contador won that um, in the final time trial, and Sergio Nao was second, and Nairo Quintana actually had a really good time trial, oddly enough, and finished third. Fourth was Thibaut Pino, who also had a really good um, time trial. Joaquin Rodriguez was fifth. Obviously, he had a horrendous time trial because he <laughs> sucks at that. It was a good race, actually. Um, I enjoyed it. And the fact that Colombia came in second and third is nice. And I can tell you that I was probably like, hmm, I don't know. Natalia, let me ask you this as a Colombian. Are you kind of like tired of the whole Quintana thing and now you just want other guys to win? Because I was actually like rooting for Sergio now. And I was like, wait, I, don't I want Nairo to win too? And I was like, no, I kind of don't want Nairo to win. Just the problem with Nairo is that they have this overinflation of him that now you're just sick of him because when everybody is like he's on the news, but he's the only one getting some sort of coverage. So it's kind of annoying at this point. It's like, hey, there is another Colombian that is racing and is actually doing pretty good. Why you keep talking about Nairo? So yeah, yeah at some point I think... It's also it's also yeah. true, and I think that this is not only for Colombians, but I think in cycling cycling fans in general, you can look at Quintana and be like, man, he's amazing. He's really a very, very good cyclist and stuff, but he has the personality of a plastic bottle. Like, you can't... <laughs> you, you, you cannot get a single smile or a, or, or, a, or a kind word or anything out of him. He is a fucking rock. And I think that that just turns people off. Right, Mike? I mean, you're a non-Colombian. Don't you hate the dude? No. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, I don't hate yeah, him. Actually, I'm just getting sick of all the media. Yeah, I am too. Centralization around him as if there was nobody else. But Quintana, don't get me wrong. I think the guy is huge. I mean, probably a biggest thing Colombian cycling has going on now but he's not the only one and that's yeah. what yeah the Colombian media goes a little overboard with them definitely um, I have a question for you though about the time trial in yeah. the Basque country did you watch it? yes 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 did you see when Quintana switch bikes bikes <laughs> I'm still trying to understand why, what, why, yeah, and like, and did you see a push of the mechanic? Yeah. It was like, is this boy, is this guy going to run with him until the no. end of this? Like, what was that? He was attached to that bike for like a good 700 meters, just running behind the guy. He ran half a marathon pushing yes. him. Um, I don't understand why, if nobody else before him did it, why would he do it? There was guys that had done, like, amazing, really, really, really good uh, times before him, and nobody switched bikes. Why would you switch bikes? Plus, you can see the guys in front of you, what kind of bikes the car behind them has. Mm -hmm. So you know that, you already know that 
Contador and, and, and Sergio Henao and Pino and all the guys that you're like racing against basically, you already know that they haven't changed bikes because there's no time trial bike on their cars. So I have no idea why he did it. I don't know exactly how much time he lost. Let's say that he lost five seconds, six seconds. It still wouldn't have made a difference. But why be the only person in the race to switch bikes halfway through the I have did the no. mechanic did the mechanic yeah. take the first bike and say uh, put this where no one can see? This <laughs> <laughs> is movie star we're talking about. He didn't. He didn't. I still um, last time that there was a time trial that we, we talked about it. I can't even remember what race he was for. I I posed a question and nobody has answered it for me. And the question is as follows: What if if you already know that you're going to switch bikes halfway through a time trial? Instead of having the bike on the car, what if you have the second bike on the road being held there by one of the mechanics on the road? That way, the guy doesn't have to get off the bike and wait for the mechanic to get the bike off the car, but he just throws one bike, grabs the other one, and goes with it. There's got to be a rule. There's got to be a rule about yeah, that. Yeah, I think it was like regulation. This is cyclocross. It's not it. a cyclocross pit. There you yeah. go, cyclocross pit. That's ex- oh my god! I'm glad you said that. That would exactly that would exactly be it. Except because of the cleats and the road surface, everybody would be like <laughs> like slipping and crap. It'd be hilarious, especially if like there's more than one person doing it at the same time. That would be amazing. Um, yeah, I too found it curious, Natalia. I'm glad that you brought that up. Um, it was the uh, guy ran. The guy ran with with the bike for so long because he couldn't remember if he had tightened the quick release. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, wait, let me see. Let me. <laughs> he didn't want to let go. He's like, I... <laughs> just in case. <laughs> oh yeah, was that? Yeah, was okay. pushing at the beginning too. What? <laughs> see, the, the pushers were two. It was like but, yeah. mechanic pushing Nairo, and somebody was pushing the mechanic. That mechanic yeah. Well, the mechanic okay. wasn't really necessarily a small guy, so. Okay. Um, yeah. And the only, the other thing that I wanted to say, actually, last one is because um, I forgot to say this last time, Eurosport mentioned the the, the podcast again, not País Vasco, but the other one, La Vuelta Catalunya. Okay. Because I get, I, I get royalties for that. I said no. I said that um, I tweeted at what's his face, Jacko, dude. Um, that uh, Miguel Angel Lopez's uh, nickname was Superman. And he was like, oh, they tell me here, Speed Metal Cycling, that uh, Lopez has a nickname of Superman. And I was like, yeah, all right. I get now, you have, now you have to tweet the story about why the nickname is Superman. I have no idea why his nickname is Superman. I, the only thing Are I you know, serious? Yeah, the only thing that I know is that he doesn't like being called that. Or that he said once that he doesn't like being called that. But his Twitter oh is super. Like, Robert Hatch has been telling this story in every you know like race that he's commentating, and then Lopez is there. So ah, I'm Rob, surprised. I'm surprised Rob, you don't know a story. I I be Rob Hatch. Rob Hatch and I are like BFFs, but no, I don't know. So what's the story? <laughs> so the story is that he was training in here, Colombia, and then somebody tried to steal the bike from him. And he wouldn't let them, so there was this altercation. End of the story was that he got stabbed, but they he didn't let them steal his bike. And that's why they 
nickname is Superman. He got stabbed in one leg, but <laughs> he said, and when people was interviewing him about him, he was like, what? Wouldn't you do the same? Like, <laughs> defend your bike? <laughs> the person was like, eh, maybe not. <laughs> I don't think yes. anybody would do that. I'll just be like, have the bike, take it easy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think well, I heard that story before, but um, but I, I I can't even think about it. Uh huh. Mike, what would you do if somebody comes for? Actually, do you still have that townie, the old one, or did you buy a new bike? No, I have the old one. Oh, so what happened? What would happen if some random dude came up to you with a knife and tried to like? He could have it. He could have it. Yeah. Wow. You're not really that attached to the bike? No. You got it re-welded and stuff, though, didn't you? No. This is a different one. Oh, so the bottom bracket one, that one's... Oh, that one is gone. Yeah. Wrong oh. oh, okay, okay, okay. What about that... Uh, you have a De Rosa, right? What if that yeah. somebody comes for that De Rosa? Will you they could have, have it. Oh, okay. You wouldn't get... I'm not going to get stabbed for my bike. Well, dude, think about this. Defend your bike. <laughs> That's Superman. They, yeah. Think about this, Mike. <laughs> If you get stabbed in the leg and keep the bike, then two good things happen to you. Number one, you get to keep the bike. Number two, people can call you Superman. That's awesome. <laughs> and you love Superman. That would be like the best of both worlds for you, dude. I'll think about it. Okay. Next right. time I get mugged. <laughs> Next time you get mugged, you start thinking about it right away. <laughs> All right, party people. Let's talk about... Um, Women's cycling. Natalia. Ask me. Here's some questions that I have. Actually, the first question I want to ask you about women's cycling is the following. Because it's something that I've thought about many a time. And uh, I want to get... And of course, this is an opinion thing. So if your opinion... does if Other people don't agree with your opinion, they can suck it. They can start their own podcast. Okay. I know that there's a lot of girls... Or women, I use the word girls all the time. I don't mean it in a disrespectful way. There's a lot of girls that like Marcel Kittel, for example, because they think he's really cute. So because he's cute, they cheer for him. I have no problem with that. I think it's funny and whatever. And fine. What if I cheer for a girl because I think she's cute? What if I think, like, I don't know, Kristen Bild, oh, she's so beautiful. So, like, I, I like cheer for her because she's so hot. Is that sexist? I think it's sexist if you only cheer for the person because of the looks and the person don't actually perform, you know what I mean? Yeah, but what if I it's cheer like for somebody? I, I, lo I love Konovalovas, um, not because he's a good writer, just because he has a funny name. So he sucks, but I still cheer for him because he has a funny name. So you that's pick... That's not sexist. No, <laughs> I know that. <laughs> I know that's not sexist, but... It's probably racist. <laughs> I just, I, it's 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 weird. At, like I mean, because I know a lot of guys say stuff like that. Oh man, that girl is so hot. I hope she wins. She's so hot. I want to take a photo with her because she's so hot. And then some other women here, and they're like, "Well, that's just sexist." I, I honestly don't think that that's sexist at all. Sexist would be like. Ooh, look at that girl on her bike. I want to fuck her. That's just <laughs> disturbing and creepy. But she's a beautiful woman. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, first of all, I think that the cyclist in this case is not going to appreciate that type of uh, 
fun, I guess. Because I guess, sure, I mean, you can appreciate, you can admire the looks of the person, but I think at the end they just want to be appreciated for their, uh, for how they perform competing, I guess. But, but uh, I have seen plenty of guys that they are fan of some cyclists just because the way they they look. They don't even know, you know, like, if, oh, okay, so does she do good climbing? Does she do good sprinting or anything? They don't know anything about them other than they just like how they look. That's all. Uh, what's the name of that girl, Iris? Uh, Slapendel? Yeah, Slapendel. I don't think she's particularly beautiful. She's not ugly by any means. But I just always like to have – she has, like, punk rock hair or whatever. So yeah. I – I like her because she has punk rock hair. So what's the difference between I like that girl because she has like crazy hair and I like that girl because she's beautiful or whatever? I don't think that's, I mean, I wouldn't say that that is sexist or anything that those are your own personal preferences. I don't, yeah, I don't, yeah, I, I don't, don't see. I like guys based because, because of their friggin' last names. So I think that liking, you know what I'm saying? Like, or if a girl, if I had no idea what this girl looks like at all, but I follow her on, on on Instagram and she puts photos of like her bedroom all the time, whatever. And she has like incredible Hulk posters or something. I'll be like, that's awesome. She likes comic books. <laughs> then I'll be a huge fan of hers without even knowing what she looks like. But it's the same yeah. thing with the dude. I love Cohen the court and he's a terrible cyclist, but he loves heavy metal. So it's, he's cool. You have a connection. That is, that is, that is. That's the thing. So, so I just want to make sure that people know that because, of course, you know my favorite, you know who my favorite writer is, right, Natalia? Diana. Female writer? Diana. Yeah, Diana Carolina yeah. Pañuela. She is beautiful and she's super friendly and just a nice smile and her Instagram is awesome and she's just great and wonderful. She's she's racing for United Healthcare this year and she's Colombian, which obviously is, is awesome. So that's... Well, she's She's nice. I mean, I, I think everything is okay so long people don't turn this thing into a freaking beauty contest. That's when yeah, oh, no. things don't start like, oh, come on. Can you just please, like, uh, they are not there, like, parading. They are actually competing. So oh, absolutely. I, I never that's, said that's that. That's the only thing that yeah. when you have, like, people just judging them by the way they look instead of by how they are performing is like, eh, wrong thing to be watching now you know? well, <laughs> I think that if anybody watch beauty pageants if anybody knows anything about this history of women cycling and you look back to like Jenny Longo you know that it's not a beauty contest because she wouldn't have made it the freaking race in the first place if it was a beauty contest oh uh, my, fa my favorite female cyclist is Bernie Isel. <laughs> <laughs> oh wait wrong podcast <laughs> <laughs> oh my god uh, Mike is on fire today. I know Mike you are on fire <laughs> my goodness gracious that is awesome what do you what do you have Mike I wanted to know I'm, I'm not going to pretend to know much about women's cycling but I am always interested in kit design so I wanted to know what Natalia's favorite um, kit was for the women's teams Ah, that's you know, that, that was interesting because there is this website that is following the women professional cyclists, I don't know, like a long time ago before it was even popular. And what she does, by the way, her name is Sarah, Con Sarah Connolly. And what she does is like every year at the beginning, she puts up a poll so people can vote for the favorite uh, kit. 
traditionally has been always the one that the girls from Specialized, Lululemon, and then uh, last year the Velocio kit, mm -hmm, that, mm -hmm. that has been. So everyone had like huge expectations this year for the one coming from Rafa. And uh, when it came out, I was just waiting to see it on the road. And uh, I was a little bit bummed down when I saw it in Qatar. I thought it was going to be more, you know, like standing out there, but it wasn't, it wasn't like that. So that, that poll actually, uh, the Castelli kit won it. The one from uh, Silence or Silence, I don't know how you mm -hmm. pronounce that. That is like all green. It's very similar to the one from Cannondale. That's mm -hmm. the one. My favorite kit actually is from teams that are not in the top 10 of the UCI. And it's a, it's a team that is from uh, Australia. So if you look at it, it's a, I think it's, a, don't remember the name of the team now, but they have like this pixely thing going on with a pink and other stuff. It was really, really, really cool. The, the, the kits that the Peloton have, like they have now, they are pretty except from the Rafa one, but they are pretty kind of the same. They, they are not very innovative in terms of design. The Rafa one is, is nice. It's just it's not standing out as much as I was expecting to. So but it's, pretty, it's pretty cool. It's growing on me. At the beginning, the first time that it came out, I was like, okay, this could work. Then I saw it in, on the races, and I was like, mm, don't really, not, not buying it, but it's getting getting better if i had to pick one uh, i don't know i think i will go for the crazy one from the sirayas i don't know if you have seen that that steer the internet a little bit it's like super super crazy is like the design the designer was just like coconuts it's all neon and has a bunch of patterns and yes <laughs> there's, co there's coconuts on it <laughs> there's almost, on it. almost. Um, so that's the thing missing. That's the thing missing. But yeah, <laughs> I think. I mean, and I do. I have an ulterior motive for asking this question because I do think this is a way. This is a way that people get into teams and sports is they just by studying the the graphic identity of the team, you can start to get a sense of what you think the the team is like and what you like about it and what you don't. So I think it'll be a good opportunity for me at least to to study up on this. No, it is. It is good. I will give you a link so you can see the the. Because what she she does is that she gets the photographs of all the kids that you can vote for, and right. then you can go and, and choose. But it was interesting because there was a, a lot of I can say like dark colors mm -hmm. in the in the top teams. But once you went from the ones that are you know like some some of them not even ranked and just like local teams, then you could see some like really cool stuff going on. And I don't have idea of design. I'm just you know like going for whatever catches my eye. So <laughs> those those designs were well, the ones that I was like, oh, cool. I think people should definitely look up the Sirayas. Uh, <laughs> and in <laughs> case you don't Z know, it's called, it's, it's spelled X-I-R-A-Y-A-S, Sirayas de San Luis, because it's absolutely <laughs> nuts. <laughs> it is it, it ridiculous. <laughs> and wait, which one was the Australian one you said, Natalia? Um, I'm looking for it because I don't remember the name of the team. Actually, <laughs> I have the picture of the of the kit, but I I don't remember. Just give me a sec, and then I'll. Now here's another question: mm -hmm. Is there like 
tiers of teams as well? I'm pretty sure that there is, right? Yeah, like but the, 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 the thing with the women's is that it works at, as follows. They don't have the same classification that the men's have, that you know that you have the World Tour and then you have the Pro Continentals. They only have one. So for them, it's either you are a UCI team or you're not. That's pretty much uh, it. Wow. The, yeah, the, the World Tour is given, the status of World Tour is given to the races this year. It's not given to the teams. So how they work out is that a bunch of races that used to form what it was called the um, Women Road Road World Cup. That was like this event that had uh, just pretty much one-day races. Uh-huh. Uh, they... What they did was that they used that as a base and then they added stage races like the Tour of California, the Giro Rosa, and uh, they made up like a more uh, strong calendar so they could have more de- more days of racing and they were like, this is going to be the basis to build the business model for women cycling according to what uh, Cookson has been, has been saying. So what is World Tour now is the status of the races. At the beginning of the year, it was decided the you know like you had you use the UCI ranking of the women's teams to decide who gets to go to the World Tour races, and it was pretty much okay. So by January 10th, we're going to look at the UCI ranking of the teams, and then the first 20 teams in that ranking get an automatic invitation to one-day races in the World Tour, and the 15 in the top get an automatic invitation to the stage races. In the in the world, and that's how it works, pretty much. Hmm. So you have the first five teams clearly have more resources than the rest of the teams, but all of them have the same classification. And the to get a UCI women's team type of seal on mm-hmm. your team, you I think the guidelines are pretty pretty similar to the Pro Continental from the men. So, oh, really? Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm starting my own team. <laughs> Dude, I'm not even kidding. How awesome would that be? I would love to have a cycling team. It'd be awesome. You'd be like the best thing ever. Ah, Send your headshots to the Send, yeah. <laughs> send my headshots and the measurements. So, yeah, so you can see, I just sent you the link, you can see yeah. the, the kits that are in the, in what it is called, you know, like the, 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 the Teams that are competing in the World Tour races, either one-day races or the the stage races. So you can check them out. It's like that. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to tell you which one is the one that I really like because that is the the second part. When um, we did it for like teams that are not in the... And those are really cool. And that's the second link that I'm going to send you now. Um, I can... Ask you this as well, though. Do you personally, I mean, as a fan, do you have a problem with women's races being shorter than guys' races in general? No, I really, I really, I really don't have a problem with that. I was thinking about it. The thing that pissed me off is that that stupid regulation that is in the UCI now is a was put in because they thought that women were not capable of racing the same distance as the guys. And this was just, you know, like all those rules that are made up because you think that, yeah, like we cannot perform, you cannot go the distance. So that pissed me off. But by 
seeing how they raise the shorter races, I don't think increasing them is going to like help much in the sense that since they are so short, they pretty much start you know like attacking from the gun. That is like they never go you know, like okay, so we're just going to take it easy because this thing is long, so we have to save for the end. They they are very animated. I mean, it's not the it's not the so I I wouldn't see the the value of increasing the distance. I don't. So then, by the same token, do you think that men's races should be shorter? I think so. I think so. I think uh -huh. so. I don't know. Like I understand the the, the beauty of you know, like okay, so just go and uh, ride for like I don't know, like two hundred kilometers, and then uh, the last one standing is going to be the stronger one. I I get that, but it's just boring. I mean, there are a bunch of races when you just hop in and everything happens in the last ten five kilometers. So that's kind of a, a drag, and that doesn't happen with the women's uh, races. They are, yeah, they are, they are active the whole time. But no. I'm guessing that that is related to the distance they are racing to. Like if you increase it, I'm guessing that that has to change, of course, because it's impossible to go full gas for like a hundred for two hundred kilometers. But gotcha, gotcha. And another question: What site do you normally go to see to like follow news and all that stuff? Is it is it the prowomencycling.com? Prowomencycling.com. That yeah. is, and the 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 woman that maintains that site, uh, her name is Sarah Colony, and she has been following these the, the female peloton since forever. So she actually knows. Like, if you want somebody that knows, <laughs> she is she is the one. She knows the races. She knows the cyclists, the history. You know, like the legends, everything. It's like she has been following this thing forever. I think so. She's and she's on top of uh, things. She has a lot of. Uh, she has been curating a lot of people that follows cycling, mm -hmm. so she knows where to look for the information. Sure. Because yeah, this is like sometimes following women cycling is like a detective type of activity because it's really hard to it's get really the hard information to, yeah. sometimes. Hey, it reminds me of being a cycling fan when I was a kid. Okay. You know, so, there was so, not there's not even internet. Not yeah, even no. Internet. Like this is funny. Like the, the the biggest tool that we have for following races live is Twitter you know like so yeah. when Twitter when Twitter when Twitter said that like there were rumors that they were going to change the way that they put the the, the oh, tweets the yes. that they say like we're going to go for most relevant instead of like the chronological order I was like no <laughs> how are we going to follow the races now no. well you you heard that they 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 proposed the same thing with Instagram and he oh. got he got taken. Yeah, I mean, they they basically they said like, okay, we won't do it for now because people went crazy about that too. I want my Instagram and my Twitter in chronological order. That uh, is super valuable. The one you know, like the the constant person giving live information from the races is the mechanic from the Balls Dolzman team, Richie Stitch. The guy just like <laughs> just tweeting whatever he hears from the radio, and that's the way that. Unfortunately, a lot of the races, you know, like we can follow a lot of the races. So that is one big downside that if you want to be like a cycling fan of the women, you have to be like committed to it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. To like, okay, I'm just going to leave off Twitter because there is like not much you can do until the highlights uh, pop up. But yeah. 
Well, let's let's hope that uh, we're gonna help that a little bit here. I mean, I I've given as much as like results before for big okay. races, but. Uh, much more than that I haven't been able to do it all because then anything that I said would be a disservice it would be like me reading like snooker like snookernews.com or something I I wouldn't know I mean I understand the sport to begin with but yeah. I'm I, it sounds super shitty but I think that Mike can probably agree with me I'm not gonna sit there and then look for these races yeah it sounds it, it sounds terrible but I'm just not gonna well for one I can't fit any more sports in my life I have too many I follow too many friggin sports yeah no, and the thing is like if you're going to make it so hard to follow I mean that that's already a barrier right there so it's not it's not easy it's not easy actually the reason why I'm following them is because I was one day just like looking how passionate they are about what they do and then you go and find out the conditions in which they are racing that they don't, they don't even have a rule that says that they get to have a minimum wage. So who knows how many of them actually have a, a salary. Of course, the top five teams have that, but a couple of years ago, there was this rumor going around that you have like 25% of the professional cycling women peloton racing without a salary. And you were like, huh? <laughs> Why are you doing this? Yeah. So, yeah, so most of them just do it because they love it. Even though they, I don't think that they can actually like make a decent living out of that. And not in the top, of course. In the top, I'm pretty sure that they that they are doing yeah. okay. I wouldn't say that they are doing like great yeah. or anything. But I mean, there are a lot of them that are just racing professionally without really getting anything out of that. So I'm just like, okay, that is cool. I'll support you. I'll, I'll I think that you I... and I'll try to put you in people's radar because yeah, that's that's. That's pretty remarkable. Yeah, one of the things that I've heard from a lot of um, from a lot of women, from a lot of fans, women fans and fans of, of of women cycling, is that well, the teams don't do so well, and a lot of the girls don't get paid, and blah, 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 blah. I'm like, well, you know, I mean, <laughs> men's cycling, a lot of teams don't do well. A lot of guys get paid shit. It's it's just a struggling sport in general. But I think it would be nice, of course, if they were both a little bit more. More equal. Um, I agree with that. Just just to close it, the mm-hmm. only thing is that you wouldn't expect that, for example, uh, a team at the level of the World Tour, when you have you know like that's the top of the sport, mm-hmm. all of them should get you know like a, all of them need to have some like yeah. that as a decent way of making a living. You know what I mean? Absolutely. But and that, let me and ask that's you the problem though. that you don't have the same parallel with the women. So I guess that's it. I mean, cycling is something when. Most of the time, like, if you look at the lower tier, then sure, you have all these not very nice situations or whatever. But if you will look at the top of the sport, you will think that for them, like, something should be happening. But and, here's, uh, here's, here's a question, though. Who yeah. would, where would that, where should that money come from? Let's say, we, a, let's say you a, and I start a team and mm-hmm. we don't really have money. We pay very low salaries. Who, where does that money come from to be able to make those salaries higher? Yeah, that's 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 the thing that everyone is you know like thinking about. Do we need to get more exposure, more fans, more so that we can get more? I don't know attention. I don't know where that. Money I think is, I think the reason that I the reason that I ask that though, Natalia, is because I think that a lot of times we tend to forget that we're in a tough sport and the money comes from 
TV viewership and sponsors. And if there's no TV viewership and sponsors for women's cycling, then that money just doesn't exist. You can't expect the UCI or race organizers and stuff to just like produce that money out of thin air. That that money has to be produced by women's cycling itself, separate of races and organizers and the UCI. I know it's difficult. I know it's not, I know it's not easy, but the, the 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 first thing that that we should have though definitely is better TV coverage. That's just, that's the thing. That's who's the thing. gonna so, who's gonna pay for that? That's the only issue. That's a vicious cycle because you know, like they yeah. they don't grow, they don't get attention because like it's what they, <laughs> nobody can see them. That's like yeah. that's the. But that's look the at problem, women's so. look at women's tennis. You know, uh, women's tennis right now is carrying men's tennis because nobody watches men's tennis. Everybody watches women's tennis. Guess what? Women's tennis makes money, and that money, some of that money, goes to men's tennis, and the other way around. It's very interesting. Mike, what do you think? About where the money comes from? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have a Mega Millions ticket here. Oh, Mega I have a... I might win tonight. I have a Powerball ticket for tomorrow. Yeah. So, wait, are we going to start the team then when you win, Mike? Sure. Hell yeah. Dude. Okay. I'll design the kit. Good. Oh, hell no, dude. I'll design the kid. <laughs> oh, wait. If you win the Mega Millions, you design the kid. If I yep. win the Powerball, I design the kid. Good deal. Awesome. Okay, so back to your question, the kit that I was mentioning to you. Yeah. It's the Roche women's team. is from Australia. So if you go to that second link that I sent you and you just scroll down, you're going to see that. This is funny. <laughs> you know which one is really nice is the Matrix Pro Cycling. Oh, that that one is it's that really nice. I yeah. encourage everybody out there to go and look at these. Um, uh, maybe I'll put a link on the just fine. I'll put a link on the website streetmetalcycling.com. I hate putting. Wait, wait. Oh, it's for, it's for a good. What cause. you like that? <laughs> it looks like the like the box of Photoshop. Like uh, I mean the. Photoshop it seems like they have like a spaceship, like shorts. It's funny. Yeah, I got like little <laughs> space in the shorts. And you can tell that it doesn't, I mean, not all the shorts were dyed the same way. The fabric was obviously not. So some girls have like blue swashes in certain places and some others in other places. It's really funny. I mean, it's it's cool. <laughs> it's interesting. It's just different. I like it because it's different. If you look at the ones that are be that are being used by the top teams mm -hmm. they are kind of very serious i would very say standard. like let's yeah. say they're like standard classic whatever and then you go to these ones like whoo okay trek fundo <laughs> has an awesome one yeah oh But, yeah that, that's another one that is really cool that is really cool. really nice but you see how they like i'm guessing that they go more wild here Yeah, yeah, yeah. Vis <laughs> Visit Dallas DNA is good as well. It kind of looks like one of the Vander Kitten ones that I remember from back in the day. Yeah, this Serayas de San Luis thing is just off the chain. <laughs> it is. It looks like, it looks like, you know who should be wearing this? People Pozzato. There you go. That's okay. who should be wearing this. It should be an Italian team should be wearing this, not an Argentinian team. Well, it is. Argentina is like little Italy, basically. Let's be honest. Basically. So, yeah, no, but say whatever you want from that kit. You can always tell where the riders where are <laughs> in the group. So you can like see the them from far easiest away. Easiest thing to spot. Absolutely. In a peloton. Absolutely. 
Uh, Mike, are you looking at them? I am. <laughs> Thoughts? This is crazy. This is this is our highest kit. I've never seen anything like this on a kit. Yeah. <laughs> It looks like a hippie dream catcher situation, but like all neon. With floors yeah. and lines and yeah. I'm gonna guess that a woman designed this. Uh, I think so. I think so. I don't I don't know the story of the kit. Yeah, probably. It is very loud. Very, It's very loud. And it was funny because they were doing the, the voting for this one and it was winning by like a lot. Really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I would totally vote for this. But I think that that's the, this is the kind of thing that people would like vote as a joke, you know, but it's still pretty cool. Yeah. At the end, Matrix Procycling won this one. But yeah, Sirajas was in the, in the fight, in the fight. Wow. They are bold. That's the... Um, okay, if we look to the future, we have the, the Brabantse Peel is tomorrow in Belgium. And then we have the Amstel Gold Race on the 17th. Um, okay. Ooh, on the 17th, I'm making my uh, cosplay return on the 17th. I'm just going to leave it at that because you guys don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay. And the Trobro Leon. It's on the same day as well as the as the Amstel Gold. Uh, it is the 12th. I don't think we're going to record before the Amstel Gold. Oh, actually, maybe we will because of Klaus coming back. Um, oh, the Vuelta Castilla-Leon is, is also uh, this weekend. So I'm not even going to ask you guys for favorites because who really cares about these races up until Amstel Gold? And I think we're going to record before the Amstel Gold. So... Um, I think that's it, unless there's anything either of you guys want to say. Mm, no. Nope. No much. No oh, much. Okay, okay. Well, Natalia, thank you, thank you so much for joining us today, and hopefully we can do this again, and you can keep us up to date a little bit on 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 women's cycling. And we'll sure. Take, There are two. There is one race that is going on now with the women's. It's not a world tour race, but it's a, a an important one, kind of, because is a, a lot of the women are, that want to make the Rio Olympic teams. They have to show good performance in this one because it has a little bit of a mountain. So it's the the Vira. Vira race. Oh, the Iureta de Maracacacune. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Vira. <laughs> Yeah, the Vira. Yeah, it's uh, everything that is in Basque is just ridiculous and completely illegible. So, no, but that that's an interesting. It is interesting because a lot of Olympic hopefuls are willing to show that they have what it takes to win the national team. So, a lot of people is paying attention to that particular race just because of that. It goes from April 13 to April 17. So, go to Twitter. Hashtag Vira, and <laughs> you can see the, the, the updates. That's B-I-R-A. Yeah. Awesome. I'm looking at the teams, and none of the teams with the cool jerseys are here. <laughs> the Cipollini the team the is series. here, though. Are the serious ones. Yeah, okay, the Cipollini. The, the Cipollini yeah. team. And then Top Girls. I love the name of the team, Top Girls. Top girls, Fasa Bartolo. Fasa Bartolo. Yeah. It's just good because Fasa Bartolo obviously is a cool part of the name because of the old Fasa Bartolo from back in the day. And then Top Girls. It's just a cool name for a women's team. Top Girls. We're top. <laughs> uh, and Podium Ambition. That's the other one. 
That's the name of my theme, <laughs> Podium Ambition. And that's all we aspire for is uh, Podium Ambition. Okay. Okay. Cool. So maybe next time we talk, we can talk about the results for this one and, uh, and what's next after, after this one. All right? Okay. Um, uh, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Natalia, thank you very much. We'll do this again. Mike, thank you very much as well. We'll definitely do this again as well. SpeedMetalCycling.com is the website. At SpeedMetalCycleCYCL is my Twitter and my in my um, Instagram is the Skull Crusher Crusher with a K. And do you guys want to give out your social stuff? Your social nah. media stuff? No. <laughs> <laughs> Natalia Santa I, only, Maria. I tweet stuff in Spanish. I don't know. <laughs> Nobody wants to follow you then. All right. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> and Mike? At Gage DeSoto. That's all you need to know. That's it. We're out of here. Peace. <laughs> Thank you.